Welcome to Election All Profit right. Maker. What? Sorry. Go for do it. Do you want to do it, John? Do it. Nope. Do it. David, you do it. Yeah, David, go. Welcome to Election Profit Makers, your guide to winning and losing money on the 2020 elections and beyond. More on that later. My name is um, David. Some call me Kid Midas, the original wave rider. I'm here at uh, Election Profit Makers World Headquarters at the top of the highest skyscraper in town. I am joined by my two co-hosts, Starly Quinn, the queen of chaos. Hello, Starly. Hi. And also calling in from Orange County, North Carolina on his computer, it is the predicted powerhouse, the neo-lib Nostradamus, the slender centrist with the silky smooth Subaru. It's the one and only Long John Silver. Hi, John. How are you? I'm great. Happy to hear that. We're recording this on a Sunday afternoon just to give everyone a little context here. It's been about two weeks since the massive presidential election that was so famous that so many of our listeners paid attention to. And we thought we would record this episode and just kind of get a lay of the land, as it were, because true to my prediction, this is Kid Midas, the one who is never wrong, I predicted post-election would be kind of crazy. And sure enough, reality has honored my prediction. It has been crazy. Charlie, you should... Starly is shaking her head, but I think it has been crazy. No, it's a normal it's a normal time to be alive in America. Starly loves it and thinks it's normal. <laughs> I, I disagree. <laughs> I think it's um, status quo. This is a status quo um, changing of the guard. Changing of the guard in the status quo world. Do you guys remember when I went and studied in England in 1993? And it was <laughs> it was it was around the time that that there had been all this royal tumult. Uh, Princess Diana had been killed, and I think if I'm getting my timeline correctly, the Queen, the Queen of England, gave a famous speech in which she described the preceding year as her annus horribilis. And I think that 2020 might be one of America's top ten annus horribiluses, because mm. this year has been sucking every which way from. It just like new, new, new techniques and new ways. It's just been amazing. Except, except, one good thing has happened. Name one good thing that happened. What? Biden and Harris won. Oh right, the, getting back to that major presidential election that I mentioned earlier. Yeah. The results are in, according to many people. Joe Biden and Kamala <laughs> Harris won the presidential election, but more on that later. Here's what I want to talk about A lot this of week. More on friends. that later today. We're really not dealing with the present moment. I'm teasing. We are teasing and squeezing, man. This is the COVID era. We got to tease everything. Okay, this is what I want to talk about. North Carolina, the presidential election, what's going to happen with concessions or non-concessions, the Georgia Senate runoffs, and then we have more goddamn fucking bans. But I'm happy about it, even though I pretend to be an old crank about it. I love it. John, I wanted to start with you this week. I want right. to focus our attention on you, Long John Silver, the person who got Starley and me into the predicted lifestyle, low those four years ago during the 2016 election, we all suffered catastrophic emotional and financial losses during the 2016 presidential election. But none of us, more so than you, you stumbled out of that melee with a net loss of around $4,000. I'm happy to say that this year, things have turned out a little differently. The dust has settled. The electoral votes have been 
distributed. What is your final tally? Long John Silver, how did you do? Well, it's it, it's not final yet because Predicted has not, not paid out. And there is still a one in a million chance that there's going to be a legislative coup and that uh, Donald Trump is still going to remain president. What? But I don't think that's going you've to been, happen. You've been watching, you've been listening to too much Giuliani. Yeah, remember, it's I'm just saying a one in a million and that's probably why Predicted isn't paying out yet. Although the people on Predicted believe that there's actually a 15% chance that uh, Donald Trump is going to be reelected, which is what? incredible. So Don is saying that right now, if you go on to predict it and bet on the outcome of the 2020 election, you can buy shares in Donald Trump being the winner of the election for about 15 cents these days. Yes, that is right. And you can buy in individual states for, you know, 90 cents on the dollar. Uh, predict it, put out a new market this week, uh, a trifecta. Will he win any of Michigan, Wisconsin, or Nevada? And that's uh, trading at 86 cents right now that no, he will not. So there are still people believing that he's going to win one of those. This is healthy. This is all very healthy. Exactly. Not toxic at all. Yeah. Online gambling combined with conspiracy theorists we're in the sweet spot now, Starly. We are in the sweet spot now. Yeah. Right? But it's a great opportunity. That's the thing. I, I mean, ended the wonderful up, thing about all this, guys, is it's a great opportunity. It, it, it really is. You know, election night was a lot closer than we thought, and I ended up not making as much money as I thought I was going to. But because of these insane prices, I've been able to max out on a number of other markets. And I think at the end of it all, I will end up making about $6,000, $6,500 just on the election. And total for the year, somewhere around uh, $9,500. There we go. Getting within Cal Cunningham kissing and cuddling distance of a cool $10,000. Yeah, it feels good. Feel relieved. Congratulations, Sean. Thank well you. earned. Thank you. Tell everybody what your um, phone use data was for the 24 hours around the election, that screenshot you sent me. You know how your phone is always nagging? It's such a fucked up relationship. Your phone is like, never put me down. And then every week your phone is like, your screen time was a lot of screen time. What's going on? Toxic relationship. John, school right. these school these amateurs on what a real, on what a real uh, political master, what kind of hours he puts in on his phone. Uh, my phone time on November 4th was 23 hours and 20 minutes. Wow. So amazing. So that was like when you didn't sleep. That was that 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 was the, the right. two days when you didn't go to sleep at all. So, so on the on day your... of the third, which was election yeah. day, I yeah. made sure to sleep kind of late because I thought I'm gonna probably be up all night. Mm-hmm. But I was up all night and then up almost all night the next night. So I miss I miss that time. Which I knew, but seeing it actually in you know seeing seeing the actual data kind of blew my mind. And you were on your phone the entire time, that means? Uh, for 20 minutes, I, I wasn't. What did you what do in that 20 for minutes? Those 20, what were you doing for those 20— Yeah, what, what's the deal with those— tw- what, what happened? Why did you put down your phone? I guess to, you know, eat something or— Lame. Mm. You can't eat what I don't you think can eat with one hand. I mean, yeah. it came down to 58 and a half minutes per hour. So <laughs> about 90 seconds per hour, I guess I would go pee. Like, you must have dropped. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
I guess it's yeah. okay to not look at your phone while you pee, right? Yeah. I guess we'll give you that. Now, John, here's what, here's what our listeners want to talk about. All you right. worked hard and you made money. And that's the great thing about America. Right. As any tech billionaire will tell you, if you work hard and play by the rules, you can get wealthy beyond your wildest dreams. Mm -hmm. The system works, people. The system just works. Now, John, you have all this money. And we happen to know, faithful listeners of our podcast know, that you're in the market for a new car. That's right. And you might use some of this money that you made betting against Trump supporters on Predict It to buy yourself a new car because that Subaru that you've been pushing around we can't have that anymore. This downhole. We got, we, John's driving a downhill only mm. special right now. He's mapping That's out true. topographic ways to get from point A to point B. He's living in the Triassic Basin in the Piedmont of North Carolina. <laughs> so there's a lot of ups and downs as you go in and out of that Triassic Basin, right? So John needs That's to right. buy a car that can drive uphill. So this is what I thought we could do, John. For any listeners who appreciated John's support over this past year, his investment advice, his calm and steady leadership during a time of crisis— if any of you happen to know anything about cars, John, why don't you give people a budget for the kind of car you want to get? And, and listeners can make suggestions about a great car you could buy. Uh, they could crowdsource I have, this. I have they, no they, idea they, what the budget is going to be. Um, it's no not idea? It's not be much, though. I don't want to buy a, a brand new car. I want to buy, you know, something used. Cap, yeah, absolutely. Put a cap on it. Put a cap on the budget. What's your max? I don't know. What, what do you guys say? 20000 15000 I was going to say $6,000. I was going to say $6,000. $6,000 yeah, yeah. just to buy a car. You're not driving across the country in this thing. Yeah. You're not okay. a— $6,000 then. But I don't want—I really don't want a car with over 100,000 miles. So if, We're about if, to turn into click and clack the tap it, brothers. <laughs> I can't wait for this car talk. Rest in peace. Right. Great. Do we cheat him and how? Woo, the puzzler. This is the new era of car talk. <laughs> Any listeners who know uh, about cars or have cars— or are in the habit of giving away cars. We've got a $6,000 budget for, for John to buy a nice used car. Yeah, or, or tell me, should I lease a car? Is that a better deal? I've or always heard leasing that's a bad is always deal, an option. But yeah. some people say it's a good deal. So I don't, I don't know anything about it. Well, the leasing is if you want to keep getting a new car all the time. That's why people, you know, actually, I'll let them tell you. Yeah, we're stepping away from this conversation. They're definitely. They're, they, I just know that the the feedback's about to pour in because on during that election week there was a moment mm -hmm. when I did what I thought was a joke tweet. It was the same one I did here where I cited that Martin Starr commercial that I kept seeing a million times on MSNBC, and I made a joke about it, and then people didn't understand I was making a joke and just immediately started giving me car advice about telling me not to buy a new car. It happened so fast. People are living their lives waiting to be asked this question. Send your car recommendations to contact at electionprofitmakers.com because we want to know, we want to get John Kimball in the best possible car. It can maybe be 7000 the cap. Oh, okay. Yeah. Fair. Okay, 7000 That's fine. Right. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah, I, yeah. yeah I'd get love that to CD not changer. go over 10. But yeah, as cheap as can be, that'd be great. As cheap as can be. If John has to put in like a few hundred of his own non-predicted dollars. Because has the other, has the original predicted money been spent? Uh, 3300 from the beginning? No, not, none of it has been spent. Okay. It's we don't, all we don't want all in of that. predicted. But that shouldn't it's all be. all <gasps> sitting in predicted gathering moss. But not all mm -hmm. of that should go towards a new car. I'd rather it not because I do have other bills that need to be what paid. What if we do this? So. All listeners who made money 
following John Kimball's advice over the past few months on Predict It. Send John all your money, and then you can be a shareholder in his new car. Now, this is the type mm. of investment opportunity that's very idea. rare no, we're not, and very we're not having any listeners send any more money. I didn't like the listeners sending in money. We're listeners, not, you no, keep pouring no, money into this, into this money <laughs> toilet, and we'll just keep flushing it away so that it flows back into the ocean where all money comes from. Poseidon's kingdom, the king of the money. All right, John, I want to keep the focus on you. I want to get a North Carolina scene update. We're going into maximum rock and roll mode now. You spent last week doing something pretty interesting that I knew almost nothing about down in North Carolina, which is curing ballots. And not only were you curing ballots, you were keeping your eyes on one of the tightest elections I've ever had the pleasure of witnessing, the North Carolina Supreme Court seat. Why don't you talk us through these two North Carolina experiences you had? Oh, yeah. This, the, the North Carolina Supreme Court race right now is um, the difference between the two candidates is 35 votes, uh, and it's with a total of 5.4 million votes cast. Not 3,500 votes, 35 votes out of yeah. 5 million. 5.4 million, yeah. They each have 2.7 million of votes. Um so that um, it, the the Democrat Sheree Beasley is is ahead right now by thirty five votes over Paul Newby, who's a t- terrible guy. Um, so I last week w- did some some canvassing to help cure some provisional ballots, people that had had placed uh, provisional ballots. The federal government says that if everyone should have the opportunity to vote, and if you go vote and they don't have you there. You should at least be able to vote uh, provisionally. And after the election, the boards of elections will look at those votes. And many of them, they'll determine, no, these aren't going to count. But but usually somewhere close to half of those provisional ballots will end up counting in full or at least partially. So, yeah, I did some of that work in, in Durham County last week. And I was not successful in actually getting somebody's ballot cured completely. I may have like kicked the can down the road and left a form with them uh, and someone else may have come along. Um, but it was it was just kind of a long process of- What does it um, mean? I don't understand though. Like what does it mean? Like what, what were you doing? What are the steps needed to make a ballot valid? Most of the provisional ballots are people that went to a, a precinct where- they were not registered. So they went mm-hmm. to the to the wrong precinct and yeah. they weren't registered. And then they were given this opportunity to cast. This, I've done it. This, I've done it. I've, yeah. I've, put, I've done it before when I thought my ballot, my polling place had changed. Yeah. I'm so, really, I'm glad that provisional ballots are being counted this time because when I did it, I was like, it felt like I was drawing on it. I was like I was like a kid's coloring book and putting it in like my parents' purse. <laughs> like it, just, it felt like it was never going to be looked at. Well, I think you you want to avoid voting provisionally at all. Yeah. you know, yeah, if yeah. at all possible. So many of the you know, basically, we were caseworkers. You're going around and you're just trying to help them figure out what was it exactly wrong with their ballot. And it is like canvassing. You're going to their homes. Yes, wow. yes, yes. And knocking on doors. Yeah. And being like, uh, your ballot's fucked up. Let's try to fix this. Yeah. And then they say, yeah, yeah, it was messed up. I they I voted provisionally. And then you go down this checklist uh, using the minivan app or something. And you say, uh, well, is it 
because you were at the wrong precinct? Is it because you had moved? And, you know, for example, uh, one woman we came to, she was probably a student. She had uh, moved, but she had moved from another county. She had moved from Wake County to Durham County. And in that case, there is no way that that is going mm-hmm. to be able to count. If she had moved within the county, mm-hmm. then a bunch of those things on that ballot wouldn't have been able to count because she wouldn't have been in the right district probably. But those statewide races like this Supreme Court race would have been valid. So, Mm. but unfortunately she had moved from another county. So we had to tell her it's Mm. not going to work out for her. Um, Was she upset? Yeah, I think she was upset. She, you know, she, and it really all could have been avoided if she had voted early because if she had voted early, they would have said, no, this is wrong. And then they would have they um, would have updated her she registration. Already feels, she already feels bad enough. She already feels bad enough. No, what's I done know. is done. What's done is done. Did she at least donate money to your car fund? Did you tell her that was one way to feel a little better? Give me money for a new car. I probably still have her info. I could I could follow <laughs> up. <on> that. <laughs> that would be so sketchy. Did you ask her who she voted for? That's always a that's always a sensitive yes. moment in the footage. That is a good question. You know, generally the list that has been provided to us are people that are either registered as Democrats mm-hmm. or they may be registered as unaffiliated, but they have a record in the past of maybe voting in a Democratic primary. So we have a pretty good idea that they would have voted for who we want, but they do, that's part of the script you ask up front. And I can assume that you are a Democrat and you voted for Joe Biden. And if they say, oh, no, then you just say, uh, have a nice day. And, because uh, let's make it clear, really? this is a this is a this is a partisan effort. This is put on by the state Democratic Party to cure ballots. It's just like canvassing, right? They are trying to cure ballots of likely Democratic voters. Why are they, they don't have to run around and try to cure a bunch of Trump voters' ballots? Yeah, but no, that's the Republicans' job. They've got their own people, and 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 they'll they'll cure their ballots. I mean, it's an yeah. adversarial system. Cure or be cured. Yeah, but you still want we still want every vote to count. Yeah, but I can't waste my time helping the other side. I only have a limited amount of time. But if you're already there, if you're already there. No. <laughs> Long John Silver. <laughs> scene report. I love it. The scene report. <laughs> Listen, my sister-in-law worked a 20-hour shift as a poll worker in Chicago, and she was in a Trump district. So she put in her time helping mm-hmm. helping the bad guys. Ooh, exercise their franchise, getting screamed at by dudes who thought it was a fraud, not wearing their masks. Okay, she almost had to reach for her taser at one point. So let Long John Silver go out there and run up the scoreboard for the for the blue team. My sister-in-law took the hit for those Trump voters in Chicago. Good for her. Your sister-in-law who's married to your brother that you've never, that you haven't mentioned this entire right. season. Right, this was the um, Starley's biggest shock. <laughs> biggest shock for Starley Quinn of the last two weeks has not been that the entire GOP is complicit with President Trump in undermining <laughs> Americans' faith in the electoral process or the mm. deafening silence of the Republican Party when it comes to a quarter million Americans dead from COVID or the fact that we're entering the most grievous and unimaginable autumn and winter of our American lives together. The most mind-blowing thing for Starley was that I have a, I, at one point, I was like, yeah, we were texting. I was like, yeah, and my brother said blah, blah, blah. Starley was like, you don't have a brother. I was like, <laughs> uh, yeah, I have a brother. No. I've, I've had a brother my whole life, except for those first five blissful years when I was an only <laughs> child, the sun, moon, and stars of my parents' existence. And then this other celestial body entered the orbit, my brother. I just don't buy it. 
It's true. I mean, it's true. You can ask for you can ask for a recount. You can ask for an election observer. You can go talk to my parents about what happened when they cast their ballot to make my little brother. But it happened, and he's here. And his wife was working in a Trump district in Chicago, three a.m. to eleven p.m. That was her shift. Good googly moo. So the North Carolina scene report. So we're heading to a recount. I assume that's within uh, the threshold, thirty-five votes. But we all the we haven't we haven't got to the recount yet because the canvas will not be completed until tomorrow. We're still waiting on about six counties. One of them is the infamous Robinson County, where there are I think something like fourteen hundred provisional ballots, of which probably seven hundred or so will count. And that county uh, went pretty overwhelmingly for Trump. Because he showed up and gave that speech there. Yeah. So I don't feel Fuck great her. about our chances, frankly, even even though we're ahead at the moment. But if it goes to a recount and it's within, say, 100 votes or so in the end, then the, you, you never know. But anything more than, you know, 150 votes or so, it just – it rarely changes more than that. And a final element of the scene report is that Attorney General Josh Stein – who we all love, seems to have safely won re-election, although it was a close race. Am I allowed to say that as part of our scene report? Yeah. Is there anything left to say about Cal Cunningham before we leave North Carolina for now? What's he doing? (laughs) What's he doing with his time? Not being heard from. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I hope he's hiding in his bathroom from his family knocking on that door. (laughs) Like the Bob Dylan song. He I mean, needs a yeah. hug. John, remember when we entered this season of election profit makers and we thought all of history would hinge on the old North state, North mm-hmm. Carolina? And in the end, Trump won North Carolina. Tom Tillis won re-election. Richard Burr was not was not impeached for his COVID trading. Oh, North Carolina was kind of a disappointment this year, I have to say, John. Do you agree? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we came close, but— Democratic Governor Roy Cooper was reelected, but there's going to be a Republican state legislature that's going to get up to all more and more gerrymandering, redistricting bullshit. Yeah, it's upsetting. Yeah, North Carolina, it's just always been this way. It's always been incredibly tight. I mean, ever since we were kids. You know, Jesse Helms was elected the year we were born, and he got reelected every single time by the skin of his teeth. Every single time he would win by like one point. That's just how it goes. I like people from North Carolina though, so it's really a shame. North Carolina just doesn't fit to me. Most of the other places that are red states make it just it makes you look little, at it, it and you're like, yeah, sense. I get it. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, you know, the truth is they're all purple. That's true. You know, you look you look at Georgia and it's like Georgia's suddenly this giant blue state and North Carolina is a red state. I mean, the truth is North Carolina and Georgia are separated by about 70,000 votes at the moment. Uh, they're both purple states. It's just North Carolina's got it's it's just a really dynamic state uh, in terms of the demographics, you know, you've got big cities, but then you have a lot of these smaller rural areas that in places like Georgia, you really just have Atlanta. Uh, I mean, you've got a couple of tinier places like Columbus and Savannah, but North Carolina's got lots of places like that. They can offset Charlotte and, and Winston-Salem and Greensboro and Raleigh, and it's always going to be an uphill fight. But, John, the important thing is that you went out there and you tried to cure ballots. That's more than I did, so I thank you for that. I want to cure some ballots. That seems fun. Curing is the new canvassing. You know what's tired? Canvassing. You know what's wired? Curing. Well, what's tired is polling. Oh! 
<laughs> All right. We put that one to bed. Damn. That is permanent hibernation. There's still a lot of analysis. Let's turn now to our big, wet baby president and how much longer he'll he'll be in charge of this country. I wanted to read to you, John and Starley, an email that I got from our president today. I got to tell you, they've been burning up my inbox with these emails ever since the election. So this email came in this morning. Guess which political figure wrote this email? The subject is, the people love me. Hmm. Thank you, David. It's been heartwarming to see all of the tremendous support across the nation from great American patriots like you. Organic rallies have been springing up all over the country in support of yours truly. Incredible. One thing has become clear these last few days. I am the American people's all-time favorite president. New paragraph. For years, the Democrats have been preaching how unsafe and rigged our elections have been. Now they are saying what a wonderful job the Trump administration did in making 2020 the most secure election ever, which is true except for what the left did. They rigged the election. Now, at this point, I I was intrigued by this email. Hmm. I read on. I promise you we're going to ensure that every single legal ballot is counted. David, I have legal teams on the ground in every critical state. All I need now is your support. And then there's a link for me to donate $5 to immediately stand with President Trump against voter fraud. Then there's an incredible graphic, John, that you, of all people, would truly appreciate. Sourced from the Epoch Times, the least sketchy Chinese-backed newspaper in all of America. If you've ever seen their TV commercials with that weird vegan-looking kid, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Those commercials make me feel so, so uncomfortable. And I like vegan kids, but this one, whoo, boy. So... It's an electoral map of blue and red states that we're all familiar with. Trump versus Joe Biden, according to the Epoch Times. Except the blue states are are labeled Biden leading. The red states are labeled Trump leading. And then there's a bunch of contested gray states that either have a ballot box image, which means there's a recount pending, or a judge's gavel, which means there is a lawsuit pending. And those states are looking pretty significant. This is what Trump has to say about this amazing graphic. The states in question should immediately be put into the Trump win column. Biden did not win. He lost by a lot. (laughs) I think there's some begging of the question there, but we're going to let that slide because it is my president. And then he closes with this. I need my strongest supporters to step up during this critical time. Can I count on you? Contribute $5 right now to defend the election. Thank you, Donald J. Trump, president of the United States. John, is he ever going to concede? No. Starly. No. Is this perpetual tantrum good for good for our country? I want what I want to know is so he that they said that that money isn't really going to a legal fund, right? Like the small donations aren't going I, to a legal fund. My understanding is any donation under $8,000 goes to pay down Trump campaign debts and goes directly to the Republican Party. Yeah. So if you really want to help, you have to give $8,001. It's like John's car, oh, you know? Oh, John, well, John could, John does have that. If you really wanted to help, he could give. I don't. A chunk out of his predicted. Or, John, you could advise Trump on what to do with all this new money that's pouring in now that you are someone who has had money pour in. Yeah, that's true. You're two newly rich men. You and Trump are two newly wealthy men. <laughs> Leave the country. That would be my advice. He should quit all of the uh, lawsuits where he's wasting his money. Well, I think he has lost money. 15 of the 
16 lawsuits. The one mm-hmm. he won was for something like several hundred ballots that had arrived late in Pennsylvania and had already been uh, set aside. And uh, the the court ruled in their favor that those ballots definitely shouldn't count. And it doesn't matter because he's down over 60,000 votes now in Pennsylvania, I believe. Yeah, no recount. Nothing is going to make up that Pennsylvania deficit. And yeah. No, there's no, there's no recount even going to happen in Pennsylvania. Uh, right. There's no recount in Arizona that's going to happen. There's no recount in Nevada that's going to happen. It's even just, Georgia got called. Right. They're going through a recount right now, but, but Fulton County, one of the largest counties in Georgia, counted all of their ballots and came out today and said, there's no change. So... So what's with these markets on Predicted that still have him like? Ugh, I hate the market. I hate the electoral college market. I think I think on Predicted you have people that are watching, you know, OAN, and I I, I don't know this what is they're all the watching. Epoch it, Times it, money flooding Predicted. This is all those people who watch that weird TV commercial about the newspaper. Yeah, or they're just reading Trump's tweets. I yeah. mean, it's 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 just sad. You have all, like hundreds of thousands of dollars that is invested in these trifecta markets uh, that Trump is going to win some of these states that aren't even having recounts. Uh, it's it's pathetic. What percentage of Americans are going to never be convinced that Trump lost after this? Like this is effective. It's definitely effective. It's it's wild to watch. It's not gonna. It's not working to keep him in there. But people are but right. people are definitely going to believe that Biden is an illegitimate president. Oh, absolutely. So damaging, of course. Yeah, it's to- this is toxic. It reminds me of what I read about the Hasidic population in Brooklyn, how they 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 didn't listen to de Blasio because they got mad at de Blasio because he did that tweet about the really, really well-phrased tweet about rounding up the Jews because he's really good. Uh-huh, he's a really right, good yeah. politician. He's very slick. Right. So then there was there was COVID surges, and they weren't wearing masks, at least the people they asked in this article. And they said, we don't have to wear a mask because de Blasio is not our mayor. We listen to our president. Yeah. The, it, I would say the timing for massive distrust in the federal government mm-hmm. is— timing is not great when the government's trying to deal with a world historical pandemic. Couldn't be worse. That is only now approaching its peak. I mean, we haven't even seen the worst of it, but like 70 or 80% of Republicans are going to think that Biden cheated to win the election, that Pfizer held off releasing the vaccine until after Trump was defeated, that Anthony Fauci is a deep state guy who wants to put a chip in everybody. I mean, the worst is yet to come. You know, hopefully hopefully it won't be 70 or 80% of Republicans in the end. It feels like it is, but even a significant 10 or 20% is bad. In 2016, there was probably a large number of people that believed that the Russians, we, certainly the Russians had an effect on the 2016 election by all of the hacking of emails and everything, but there were a lot of people that believed that the Russians actually hacked the vote tallies and changed that. And there's just- They changed the votes within the voting machines. And right? there is no evidence to, to suggest- that that happened, and there were not any prominent Democratic politicians arguing but that's, that case. But that's why it's different. But that's the difference now. Yeah. Yes, exactly. That's what I'm getting. I at. mean, let's talk about 2004 deep old voting machines. My main, my main conspiracy theory: they were changing all the votes because the CEO of the voting machine company came out and said they couldn't wait to deliver the election to George W. Bush. Another right. great example of saying exactly the right thing to reduce people's suspicions. Now, I never yeah. truly got into that theory, but a lot of people on the left were truly believing, oh my God, they flipped states to give George W. Bush the election. Oh, I remember reading Daily Coast and, you know, there was like some, 
yeah, the, it was called black box voting. I remember reading all that stuff. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, now you're talking about daily yeah, coast and conspiracy I mean, theories. The, Sarah the, the Palin pregnancy is, photos. Shout out to Andrew <laughs> Sullivan. Do you really believe this woman is eight months pregnant at the airport taking a 40 hour flight from America to Alaska going into labor? Greatest conspiracy <laughs> of all time. Sorry, I had to get it out there. But John Kerry's attorneys were not ever making those arguments. Right, of course not. That's the difference, right. Uh, And he conceded immediately. Their entire party is enabling it. Of course, as expected. This is exactly what we feared would happen. Every time, though, it's it's as an as-expected scenario, it still shocks me. Because it's still— John expects a little more than you and I do, Starlet. Anything that happens, John, is like, yeah, it's expected. I'm like, mm, I'm not actually sure I expected that. I guess I'm a fucking idiot. I'm shocked. Okay, as long as you're shocked. We're two weeks into it. We're two weeks into it, and they're still going through the charade. And that's my question. Will they ever have a reason? Will the Republican Party ever have a reason— to ever acknowledge that Joe Biden won this election? Or is it going to become an article of faith among all future Republican public figures that either we just don't know what happened with that election or they stole the election for Joe Biden? What would it take for, for someone other than Mitt Romney? He, here's the thing is they, they really like to cheat and they really get energized by making these these kind of arguments. And they it is so their comfort zone. It's a power trip. Yeah, and they're so yeah, good at it. It's a total power trip. They're so good yeah. at it. They have the tone down. Why would it ever serve them to change their tune? I mean, they're still going to ask for things from Joe Biden and stuff. Like, they're still going to, he'll become president. They will. And Joe Biden will still be desperate to yeah. reach across the aisle yeah. and create common sense bipartisan solutions that bring everybody under the fold because we're all the United States of America. It's like, motherfucker, no, we're not. Yeah. We're not. I know he's, but he has. I know he has to say that because he grew up with Thomas Jefferson and everything. <laughs> and it, but it's like, come on. I know, but I have to say, he's been a comfort these last two weeks. Like, there is going to be a, there's, t- there's going to be plenty of time to be fatigued by that. I just, the Republican, he will just be Joe Biden, so they're not going to have to do anything different. So they can. Right. This will be a thing that they can dip into whenever they need to to make a new cheat happen. This is so incredible. They're probably, the cheaters calling us cheaters is what they're getting off on. Yeah, the gaslighting and the, and the mind fuckery and just the, and just the pulling alpha move after alpha mm-hmm. move. It makes you want to cheat. I'm kind of like, if we're going to get tarred with cheating while I'm out curing these ballots, <laughs> can I at least I cheat? Can I just be like, yeah, you didn't move from Wake County. You moved from Durham County. We're going to we're gonna write right, this Right, exactly. Up. It's like if they're going to call any Democratic nominee a radical leftist, why don't we just nominate a radical leftist? Yeah. So let me ask you this. We have on the one hand our fragile democracy, this 200-year-old experiment, the envy of the world, the greatest height of human achievement of all time, blah, 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 blah. It hangs in the balance because of the bad faith actions of a bunch of people who are blindlessly supporting the stupidest, most mediocre man to ever walk the face of the earth. On the other hand, we have my predicted portfolio where there is still opportunity to be made in these tumultuous times, maybe at the cost of our republic slash democracy, but still, I held up until last night a lot of shares of will Biden or Trump concede by 1117, the two-week anniversary of the election. I knew there was no way in a million dicks that Trump would ever concede the election. And sure enough, 
Last night, I sold all those shares at a preset price of 95 cents. Now that leaves me with two other positions that I'm a huge fan of against my better financial judgment that are related to this this world in which there are no more norms and Trump will either never concede or never leave the White House or maybe he'll leave tomorrow and no one will know where he is and there'll be an APB about where is our president. (laughs) The first of these two markets is will Trump resign in his first term? The second one is the broader version of the same position. Will Trump complete his first term? Now, I've been underwater in these two markets. These are classic wishing well markets for Kid Midas, the original wave rider, although I do think there is a logic to both of these positions, Trump either resigning or otherwise not completing his first term. I will say that earlier today, when I logged on Predicted, I noticed that for a brief ecstatic moment, John, both of these markets were green. I was turning a profit in both of those markets. Now, they've both gone back into the red, But this tells me that people realize we are about to enter, as I have long said, the crazy time. The election was not Mm -hmm. the crazy time. The post-election pre-inauguration stretch is the crazy time. Well, let me ask you, when do you think, is it going to be, is this going to be what we're going to get for the the, now until uh, the inauguration? Or when's he going to switch over to doing bad things? The other kind of bad things. Is this all that's going to be that we're going to hear about? You're asking me, is Trump basically just going to fuss and fidget on Twitter and keep raising money to pay down debts by saying the election was stolen, but really not do anything other than that? Like just be in permanent tantrum? Which is corrosive in itself. Right. But the fear that we had, although John's saying we expected all of this, the fear I thought we had was that <laughs> they were going to um, like use these next, you know, these three months to Stephen Miller executive order orgy, yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, well, they elite unconstitutionally appointed the head of Department of Homeland Security so they had to throw out that DACA challenge. So fuck them on that one. They already lost that yeah. one. So the question is, is Trump just going to be a huge fucking baby or is he going to step out of the way and allow the, these evil actors in the White House to do as much damage as possible? Yeah, when's he going to turn into the next phase of grief where he's actually like, retali- when's retaliation going to happen? You mean anger? Yeah, this I was I was gonna say, ang- I was gonna anger. say anger. I mean, so this, life, that's, it, that's why I didn't say anger because right. that's yeah, a meaningless yeah, yeah. stage for him. Um, so what I I just want to know how to brace for that because this I can actually this is, feels crazy. The amount of dignity that he's holding himself <laughs> with is just so crazy. Like just what a, what a cool guy he's being right now, and just like acting like such a winner and such a mature adult with like so much. Dignity and stature. Do you believe these reports <laughs> that he may do rallies again, go around the country doing Absolutely. rallies? Absolutely, of course he's going to do that, John. Okay. Of course well, so he's going to do that's that. Where things, that's where things could could potentially get really, really bad. But that's still the same. But that's still the same. That's still him spreading COVID. That's what they've already done. They're all just going to give each other COVID, give their base COVID. That I, I've, I've learned to live with. Yeah. This new phase that we're in, I don't know if I've learned to live with it, but I do have like a really, like, I am perversely fascinated by what's happening. Of course. Well, that's just genius, right? I mean, we always want to know what happens next with our big, wet baby. Mm, it's different. It's different. What's What's amazing about this time is that he's got, he doesn't have the, I don't feel any power coming from him. It's It's just so fully revealing the man behind the curtain, but it's not even Oz because that man actually was a nice person who just wanted to try to help people get home. Uh, You see him as the pure, as the pure Reddit shit poster he has always been. Yes. 
Right. I don't know what what Trump is going to do as we wind down here, but I have a feeling that this week you are going to see some capitulation with some Republicans. Yes, there's still the majority of uh, Republican leaders may still be saying nothing uh, or even supporting him. But I think you're going to start to see some significant capitulation in the next week where people are going to come out and say, all right, it's time. It was stolen from you, whatever. Right. It's over. <laughs> it's over. It's time. Let's end this. I don't know what Trump does with that, but I think you're going to start to see the Republicans do that in the next week. I may be wrong, but that, that's going to be my prediction. You would hope that COVID and the economic prolonged economic crisis we're in would lead some Republicans to be like, you know what, by gum, let's try to figure out what the fuck we're going to do about this situation and maybe try to pass some bills or some shit. And in order to do that, it looks no, no, like no, we no. have to work with President Biden. So maybe we should do that well, so that I'm not chased out of town by a bunch of people who don't have jobs and are getting sicker and sicker. Oh, no, no, no. But I don't know, maybe. I mean, I mean that not that. The thing I always think about, the thing I always think about is just like how people are capable of anything. And I think the thought that I've thought more than any other over the past four years of the Trump administration, I might've talked about this before, but like a long time ago, I read that Samantha Power book, A Problem from Hell, which was about Americans' response to various genocides all over the world. And when I read the section on Rwanda, I mean, if you've ever read about the Rwandan genocide and what those people were compelled to do to their neighbors, it really is kind of like, oh, people will do anything. And if you're interested in cults as I am, you know, in authoritarian communities, like, you know, someone like me, a NPR tote bag person who loves nothing more than hearing Sylvia Poggioli report breaking news from the St. Peter's or whatever, someone like me obviously thinks, well, surely once a quarter of a million people have died of this disease, people will start wearing masks and we'll get some kind of relief, right? Like surely after 250,000 people have died of it, then something, will no, no. Surely, surely people in the end will stick up for the democratic institutions that they've spent their whole life praising and, and pounding people for perceived slights against, right? They won't just throw all that out the window just to maintain power that's coded in white supremacist, right? No, no, they will. But, I mean, yeah, people are capable of anything. Yeah, I, that's what's so nutty about know. people. I, that's I, what makes just, us one of the most interesting animals. Like the stuff we do will blow your mind. The plan was people, to chip, the right? The best. This seems different than people just turning on each other. I don't know why this is happening. I actually don't know why people are doing what they're doing because we're not, because we have it good. We have it the better than any country in the world. Or we could have, we could have. The promise of this, I mean, if the promise this country is, is a lie. So that's not, right. that's already. Ooh, Andrew Sullivan, I know you're pissed right now. Ooh, <laughs> 1619 Project triggered much Andrew Sullivan. Ooh, Andrew, you better tone it down. Turn down your volume because Starly Kind is coming at you. It's a lie. It's all a lie. And only a certain class of people had freedom and, and it's all led to this. But like you said, they're giving up their own democratic ideals, like what they say that they love. They're more, they love this country. But those don't serve them anymore if white supremacy is is under threat. I, well, I know. Well, that's the actual promise of this country is white supremacy is a problem. Right. The problem is they're trying to hold on to what this country is actually founded on. Here's how, I've been, here's how I would think about it. The beginning of Trump's presidency was essentially a money-raising money PR stunt that just got completely out of control. And the next thing you know, this asshole is actually president. But I think it started as a branding opportunity and a way to make money. And I think that's what the end of his presidency is going to be. 
All this vote recount, voter fraud bullshit is just a way to raise money and churn up energy in his base for whatever thing he has planned next. Going to go up against Fox News with a rival TV network. And just like the beginning of his presidency that spiraled out of control, the end of his presidency is going to spiral out of control because of all the enablers, all the people that the Democratic Party wish would say the right prayers and appeal to the better angels of their judgment and step in and do the right thing and be the referee that we all wish all responsible Republicans would be. It's not going to happen. It's going to be chaos. I think a lot. I think more and more Democrats have given up on that idea. Like Obama in his new book, he like takes down McConnell, right? I, I, I haven't read his new book. I hope he does. I hope that book has more cuss words per page than the <laughs> filthiest Andrew Dice Clay memoir ever written. I hope. I, <laughs> I wish Obama had wrote that book the way Trump writes his tweets and had so many all caps and exclamation points. I never said that you would be able to keep your health care plan. And if I did, it was a lie. That would be incredible. What if I dropped an italics here? Would that be too much, Michelle? Would that be too, too much heat if I emphasize this word using italics? I just, what's crazy to me is that the, pe- the enablers are also the pawns because they, it's just, it is all for Trump to have his next media empire. And they're helping, they're enabling him taking down democracy itself just so he can like right. endorse them the next time they run. Like it's like the cost is so high for what they're doing and he doesn't care about any of them. He doesn't care about politics. Yeah, exactly. He doesn't care about being a Republican. Yeah, he'll turn on them in a hot second. And it's not clear to me. Like, look, we have Georgia Senate runoffs coming up. How does it, that people are saying, oh, McConnell's letting this fester because it'll rile up the base to go out and turn out and vote in Georgia. They're going to vote if they think Democrats steal elections. Like, what is, there's no end game here. Nobody knows what's going to happen. Well, are you guys in these Georgia? I'm in one of them. Which party will win Georgia in 2020? Yeah, I haven't even looked. I mean, that, now I'm talking about the presidential election. That one is still underwater. That one is in the red that Trump will lose Georgia. The money on predicted, at least when I bought in, let's see, what, what did I buy it at? Yeah, 87 cents. So there's still a 13% chance that Trump is going to win Georgia, according to the predicted people. And then in terms of the Senate races, I got into which party wins the regular Georgia Senate race. And I went with Democrats and I'm losing money there. But I think we should put off the Georgia race until a future episode. I got to finish these bands, guys. I'm sorry. I'm begging everyone's forgiveness. I thought the band wars were done. I thought the peace treaties had been signed. I I thought all warring parties had put down their sabers and their muskets and and peace would reign over over these hollowed hills. But it turns out, friends, that I actually misfiled two bands. And then, of course, when I announced that on Twitter, everyone got into an uprage and said, we need monitors to monitor these bands, misfiled bands. Where will this lead? Ban fraud, ban fraud. The ban wars are suspect. The two bands that I missed before the end of the official ban wars that came in before I announced the end of the ban wars. Starly, you'll appreciate this. This is another dog band from Brian P. Brian P. wrote in and said, every time I listen to your podcast, my dog Banjo tilts his head and looks at me with a judgmental face. I'm tired of his judgment and his poor taste in podcasts. I am formally requesting a Banjo ban. Mm. Starly, why don't you ban Banjo the dog? Banjo, you are banned. Ooh. But you're still a good boy. Laura C. wrote in. Go home to mommy, Banjo. Oh, (gasps) John with the go home to mommy. Those always leave a, ooh, Banjo, ooh. Just listen to me, Banjo. Laura C. wrote in and said, my husband, Nadav C., and I would like to ban our friend who also happens to be named Laura C. We're banning Laura to give her the added frisson of doing something taboo while enjoying election profit makers. See, this is more of that sex pervert stuff. (laughs) 
where people ban their friends so their friends can get off on on violating these taboos by continuing to listen to podcasts like Cal Cunningham cuddling and kissing that woman. God, okay, so that that happened. And then we announced the end of the ban wars, and we were all so happy because we raised so much money. And then the listeners just kept on donating because they're trolling me. So these are the these are the bands that came in after the ban wars, and I really shouldn't read them, but I, I've been so addicted to them that I can't stop reading them. So Keeley in North Carolina said, I didn't really want to ban myself or anyone else, but I was inspired to make a donation to Fair Fight in honor of the podcast that got me through this election, and she made a sizable donation, he or she. So thank you, Keeley. Eric S. bans their ex-coworker Dustin C. for quitting and moving away. Dustin C., you're banned. Turn off the podcast. Brian M., listen to this, John. Mm -hmm. Brian M. made a donation to the Brennan Center for Justice, not to ban, but to honor one Helicopter Tony. Helicopter Tony's been kind of in the sidelines recently. We haven't heard a lot from Helicopter Tony, so I was happy that Brian donated in honor of Helicopter Tony. Do you agree, John? Yeah, thanks, Brian. Yes, I do. Thank you. (laughs) Gabriel S. came in with a fat fucking donation to Fair Fight and said, please ban me. Please and thank you, he says. Gabriel, it's my pleasure. Thank you for that fat donation. You're you're banned. Your band is shit. Your band (laughs) is a hot fuck. (laughs) David C. said, please ban my wife Tamara from listening to election profit makers. Thanks for making her laugh. As a frontline medical worker, mom of teenage girls, and caretaker of a husband who recently broke his neck, she needs a break. I'm sorry for laughing about that broken <laughs> neck thing, David C., but you really laid it on. You need Everyone needs to lay off Tamara, including us, but she's banned. Joel D., this was one of my favorites of all time. I think I mentioned this last week. My man, Joel D., I don't know who you are. He wrote in after the ban wars were over. He said, I'm way past deadline. Please use your immense powers to ban procrastination. Bam, a $1,000 donation to Fair Fight. Wow. All I have to say to Joel D is, if I had the power to ban procrastination, my career would be in such a such a better place than it is right now. But thank you for that very generous donation. And now we have finally <laughs> the thing everyone has been waiting for, the conclusion to the Calvin Coolidge controversy. If you listen to our Bands Only episode, you remember a listener who wrote in, obliterating our other listener, Sam, for talking about Calvin Coolidge. We have heard back from Sam. This is what he said. After several minutes of consternation, I picked myself off the floor after one of the most brutal yet polite bands that we have ever heard on Election Profit Makers. I would like to sincerely beg the pardon of listener Lee Saylor. I can't tell how his name is spelled either since I've only heard it by ear, as well as everyone else who was taken aback by my praise of President Calvin Coolidge. Indeed, I'm a big fan of presidents in American history, and I enjoy learning about them. Coolidge is, in my opinion, one of the most interesting presidents. Perhaps the words that I used in describing Calvin Coolidge were poorly chosen, i.e. great and underrated. I merely meant to say that he was an interesting historical figure. I do not seek a ban or an unban for anyone since the ban wars are over. I think that poorly chosen words are grounds enough for banishment from election profit makers. Instead, I've attached the receipt of a donation I have made to the Red Cross— due to the comments on the Mississippi River flood by my banny. Now, we're getting into the weeds here, but when Sam was praising Calvin Coolidge and said how much he loved Calvin Coolidge and wanted to marry Calvin Coolidge, then Lee wrote in and said, Calvin Coolidge is a piece of shit, and he let this flood happen because of his racism and all these people died. So what Sam is saying is, I'm sorry, and I've donated to the Red Cross because it's related to Mississippi River flooding. Sam goes on, I also do not have any ill will towards Lee. 
as I completely understand how my comments would cause someone to ban me. However, I would direct you to the text of my original ban, in which I said that I think more people should know more about Calvin Coolidge. You have fulfilled that wish, and I am very pleased that the listeners of Election Profit Makers have learned something about someone they might not have known. It sounds like he got— L- No, listen— Sam Rowe cleaned up left and right mm-hmm. in all this. First of all, he made two great donations that we really appreciate. Second of all, he trolled everybody by saying Calvin Coolidge was the world's greatest president of all time and everyone should be like Calvin Coolidge. When he got pushback from Lee, he was enraged and didn't believe in this historical revisionism of Calvin Coolidge. Then Sam Rowe get, writes back in and then has me reading more shit about Calvin <laughs> Coolidge and about what an interesting, this drama surrounding Calvin <laughs> Coolidge. Do you remember Calvin Coolidge had a mechanical bull, if oh, memory yeah. serves me, from reading those other bands? Yeah, I believe we, bu- we banned his bull. Oh, my my God. John Dickerson must be coming in his pants right now listening to election profit makers as we talk about this old-timey president, Calvin Coolidge. John Dickerson loves old-timey president stories. Calvin Coolidge owns this podcast. I hope you're satisfied, John Dickerson. <laughs> Rick G. wrote in because he was banned by George Washington Hertz III. Rick says he's a slippery fiend who spits in the face of our world's highest fallen angel. He's talking about the devil, Satan. And he must be buried in a hole to rot with the worms. Hail Satan. So Rick made five separate donations. One, to force George to admit his wrongdoing. Two, to ban him. Three, to ban Lori, his partner. Four, to ban Melvin, who is Owen's alias, who's probably still listening to the podcast. And five, to ban Owen's much smarter partner, Catherine. God damn. Th- those this people. friend group is the largest friend group I've ever— It's like— you know when you're partying and it's really late and you're at a house in the Hollywood Hills and you get into a hot tub and there's already 50 other people in the hot tub and they're like, yeah, this is Sandy, but she's also the lover of uh, Max over here. And Max is the guy who helped option my book that I wrote about Tracy. And Tracy and I were lovers, but this is that's all perverts. <laughs> the band wars have to end because it's turning into just a hot tub. All right. And then the final ban. And guys, I'm not lying. This is it. We're done after this one. Mm. I mean, Biden tried to say that too. Okay, so Ryan wrote in this whole thing about when I was a political cartoonist and he ordered some Get Your War On merchandise and then I recognized that he was writing me from a Sojourner's address. And those of you who will remember that post-Bush in 2004, Sojourner's is this left-wing Christian magazine and they were trying to talk about left-wing Christian progressive politics and Jim Wallace was that year's... uh, Reverend Dr. Barber, he was the the faith leader who was going to bring people around to a left-wing religious movement. It didn't really happen. But anyway, my parents used to read Sojourners, and I kind of liked Jim Wallace back then. So I recognized this kid's email address when he wrote from Sojourners. And then apparently I agreed to make him a free cartoon that he could run in the magazine. But then he says, one of my editors killed it because she thought it was in poor taste. So I summoned the power of all my text bank volunteering, and this guy sent receipts. This guy sent 45,000 texts over the past six months. So he earned this one. Wow. He is banning his former editor, Molly M., an otherwise excellent editor whose momentary lapse in sense of humor having deserves the eternal punishment of a ban. And then listen to this, John, and listen good, and listen well and mark my words. Listen to what Ryan wrote next. On the off chance that the number of my election-related texts affords me an additional ban, my mind was blown in a recent episode when you mentioned a high school pizza-eating contest that included one David Craybill. He is, of course, talking about the legendary night at Sal's Pizza when Big John Grabowski ate more than 20 slices of pizza. Ryan says, I'm pretty sure that that's my cousin. (laughs) We're talking about David. This guy is David Crable's cousin, John. Wow. He says, small world. Our families used to vacation together on the Outer Banks. So then he concludes with this. 
And this is the final statement of the 2020 EPM ban wars. Please ban David Crable in revenge for the time I showed him my new Transformers toy at his sister's wedding, and he said it was, quote, the stupidest <laughs> thing I have ever seen. That's it. $26,707. Put it in the history books. We are done. The 2020 EPM ban wars are done. Oh, we're going to sleep well tonight. Thank you, everybody. Ugh. Wow. Yeah, that was great. One last bit of business. Uh, we are entering now, obviously, the interregnum. This is the crazy time, as I've long foretold and, and promised would happen. No one knows what's going to happen between now and January 20th, the inauguration. We have decided, after much prayerful reflection, to keep election profit makers going through the inauguration. At very least, there is still money to be made. There are still umbrages to be taken. There are still foes to be defeated. And there is still revenge to claw back. Grimy I mean, handful of money by grimy handful of money. We still have to know who the inauguration it's going to be for. We still have to know who's going to be the president when they have the inauguration or if there's going to be a counter-inauguration and everyone will just decide which inauguration they want to go to and then that person will be mm -hmm. their president. You know, it's going to be like Lollapalooza, first stage, <laughs> second stage, right? It's going to be a lot of fun. But we are entering a lean and mean time here financially here at Election Profit Makers. So we want to make a couple announcements. The first is that if you've ever debated supporting us on Patreon, now would be a great time. We would really appreciate it. The advertising revenue is not quite where we were hoping it would be. So we promise we are overdue with some Patreon episodes. We are going to start working on those now that the chaos of the election is behind us. We still have not recorded our special satanic episode for when we pass the 666 Patreon threshold. We will do that. We will have more fun stuff for you on Patreon. So if you've ever thought about supporting us there, now is the perfect time. And secondly, we have a bit of housekeeping. We have had, over the course of this second season, a secret partner someone who has been working in the shadows, in the dead of night, behind the scenes and off mic to help us make this show. I'm talking about our producer, Anna. Now, Anna has helped us with a lot of audio stuff, recording stuff, mixing stuff, spreadsheet stuff, coordinating stuff, sound effects stuff, music stuff, Ken Burns' Civil War music drop. That needle drop was legendary in the history of podcasting and will never be repeated. John Kimball Garage Band technical John Kimball Helping John Kimball oh Garage Band. Why isn't Anna president? God damn. That's like 20 times harder than sharing the coronavirus task force. Helping John Kimball understand what Garage Band was and how to get it to work. Good Lord Almighty, mm -hmm. Anna. Anna is yeah. now moving on to other things. Thank you so much to Anna for all her hard work. Thank you, We just Anna. wanted to publicly acknowledge her. She's very she's yeah. very publicity shy, but we mm -hmm. just wanted to take a moment to thank her for everything she did. There were some long hours and some Thanks, rough, Anna. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Thanks for being in our pod with our pod. Thank you for being in our pod pod. Yeah. If you would like to learn more about Anna's talents as a producer, a writer, and a funny person, go to lefthandedradio.com. That's a secret project that she works on. Left-handed radio are these pitch-perfect parodies of a certain public radio-sponsored podcasts and related audio ephemera. Yeah, good stuff. Thank you for your service, Anna. We really do appreciate it. And someday in 2027, when we're allowed to go out to bars again, we will all uh, go and have a drink with Anna. Here, here. Election Profit Makers is a Radio Point production with executive producers Alex Bach, Rich Corson, and Daniel Powell. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash electionprofitmakers. Send your election prediction questions and car recommendations. We're about to click and clack it to the edge of destruction on Election Profit Makers. Send your election prediction questions and car recommendations to contact at electionprofitmakers.com. Go to predictit.org slash promo slash EPM20. 
and receive up to $20 in matching funds. Now that we are post-election, it's an even better time to get involved. There's more space in these markets. The maniacs refuse to give up. You can still take their money if you follow the words of wisdom of Long John Silver, Starley Quinn, and Kid Midas. So if you've never signed up for Predict It because you were too much of a hipster and you wanted to wait until the election was over and then it would be cool to sign up, now is the time. We are back. Some people thought we were done. Some people thought we were going to slink away into the shadows after this election and link our wounds like last time. But no, we're sitting here, money spilling out of our pockets. Our chests are puffed up. We don't have any bags under our eyes because we're sleeping the sleep of the just because I'm taking melatonin like a fiend. I'm getting the best sleep of my life. Melatonin is terrific. And I recommend it to everybody. We are the election profit makers. I am David Kid Midas, the original wave rider. I've been joined by my friends, John Kimball. Goodbye, John. Bye. And Starley Kine. Goodbye, Starley. Bye. We are undefeated. Undefeated in 2020. Victory is ours and will continue. The reign of destruction is only now beginning. What is victory in these times? But yes, who to trust? Who to trust? Epoch Times. I would love to get that response. <laughs> oh my God. We could get an interview with that weird kid on the Epoch Times TV commercials. I would fan out so hard. It'd be worse than when I met Tim Gunn. I would fan out so hard. Oh my God, that guy. Biden Harris ticket. All right, check it out. It's Satchel over here in Florida. I'm sorry that Florida didn't work out like I had planned. I was out there talking to people on the streets and stuff, but it just wasn't enough, you know. Whoa, there's a few crazy people down here, but there's half. But you got to remember, half of the people did, or almost half, voted for Biden. And uh, anyway, it doesn't matter anymore. Like, the good news is, it's going to be different, y'all. It's going to be better. It's starting to get better. Thank, thank goodness Biden won. Thank goodness for election profit makers. You guys were real fun. It was so fun. Thank you so much, uh, election profit makers. Uh, Starley Kine, John Kimball, and uh, David Reese. thank you so much for doing this. I'm never going to uh, send you another voicemail. I'm going to give you a break. I, you don't even have to talk about Satchel's Pizza anymore. Uh, I don't even care about that. Like, I'm so happy I don't even care about all that. Uh, so you don't. You can tell people not even to just forget, like, just tell people to forget about Satchel's Pizza. Like, it doesn't even matter anymore about Satchel's Pizza. Like, what's important is that our country has been saved. And, and if you do this again in four years, I probably will send you another voicemail, then a little voice memo. But like, uh, I'm going to give you a, a four year break unless um, you keep doing the podcast, in which case I'm still probably done because I got other things to do. I got to get back to my regular schedule programming. And uh, this this whole election thing was a big distraction. So anyway, thank you so much, America, uh, for listening. And thank you, um, election profit makers. I made $32 and some change uh, in this election. So um, I, I, I think I lost $40 last time. So I'm, I'm, I'm pretty close to breaking even. Oh, yeah, one more thing. If any of y'all ever come to Florida, like you're going to Disney World or you got to visit some old, old person or, or maybe you just want to try the world's best pizza, 
please um, come to Gainesville and come to Satchel's Pizza. I'm not just talking about the three election problem makers. I'm talking about anybody, any EPM fans out there. Sometime you're driving through Florida, you got to go down I-75, Gainesville. You can get off. If you're going south, you get off on the first exit to Gainesville, hit Satchel's Pizza, and you can pick up the southernmost exit of Gainesville, four exits later. I mean, it's an easy, it's worth the trip. Look us up online. I know David's never going to play this part because I said that everybody should forget about Satchel's Pizza. And now I'm telling everybody to come to Satchel's Pizza. But 